This is an exciting time for multiple myeloma research, with advances in a range of areas from new endpoints to novel therapies and imaging. Our coverage of day two of the recent Myeloma 2017 expert workshop in Edinburgh included the impact of MRD on clinical trials, promising novel targeted therapies, and imaging advances for multiple myeloma, as well as the future of drug screening on patients' primary cells. In this podcast, an overview of these updates is given by Professor Gareth Morgan, Dr Nina Shah and Dr Leif Bergsegel following day two of the meeting in Edinburgh. Hello, uh, my name is Gareth Morgan. I'm director of the Myeloma Institute in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm here in the Myeloma 2017 meeting in Edinburgh in the, uh, Scotland. And I'm joined by two colleagues, Nina and Leif. Um, we've had a very exciting day in the meeting and uh, we'll go through some of the exciting things that were discussed. So Nina, perhaps you could uh, tell us what was discussed about MRD in the meeting. Yeah, well, we had a very heated discussion, a great panel where we had a wonderful lecture by Bruno Paiva and thereafter discussed what the separate MRD results have been from various clinical trials. And one of the most important things I think that came out of that is that MRD is for certain very important when we talk about prognosis. But one of the other things that came out is we're not sure what to do with the information. So we don't know how best to get to MRD negative yet, and we're not sure what to do when someone is MRD negative or positive. But I think this is really important because as we talked about it, MRD may be the new CR, and I think that'll be really helpful for us to plan future clinical trials. Uh, we talked a lot about making MRD an endpoint and maybe making clinical decisions based on that in a clinical trial, and I think that will be very helpful to our patients to both limit toxicity and to our society to limit cost. So, Leif, do, do, do you think we're there yet um, in, in terms of uh, MRD as an endpoint? No, I, 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 I wish that we were there, and I hope that we can convince the regulatory authorities to allow us to be there, because I think we all think it's important and that we'll make advances much more rapidly. Uh, and I think that we've got endpoints that we can use today uh, that we should be using more. I, th I think it was uh, clear in the meeting that, there's, that we're making progress, and each kind of meeting we, we seem to be getting closer yeah. to a position where we really can go to the regulators and talk to them in a yes. meaningful fashion about using it in, in the clinic. We also heard uh, quite a lot about new drugs and uh, new mechanisms of, of action. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about Nelfinivir. Oh, don't ask me about Nelfinivir. I'll pass on that one. Are you I, can gonna I can tell you about Okay, it. tell us about Nelfinivir. Nelfinivir is a protease inhibitor, or, and it's traditionally used as an HIV drug, but as it turns out, it can actually increase the ability of a cell to be sensitive to a proteosome inhibitor. Mm. And so we had a really nice talk um, about this by an investigator-initiated trial. So this was completely investigator-funded based on their own data, uh, looking at the results of this and why it would work. And the idea is to combine nilfinavir with a proteosome inhibitor, currently Velcade or bortezomib, but maybe in the future carfilzomib, and see if you can get a response in people who have been previously refractory to PIs. And so they were able to show a really nice response rate in their initial trial. Um, I, I'd like to see this go further. They're going to plan more trials with this and hopefully with more support. So I've been lucky enough to use it a, li a little in the yeah, clinic and I've seen yeah. great responses. And it's a great example of, a, of an old drug that's yeah. being repurposed, repurposed for, yeah. a, for a really uh, important position in therapy, I think. What about the science then, Leif? There was, oh. so, so, uh, there was a lot of great science today. Well, uh, the, 
One of the most exciting drugs is venetoclax, uh, which is a drug which targets BCL2, protein we've known about for probably 20 years, but now have a good drug, and data showing that it works in about half of the patients who have a chromosome translocation between 11 and 14. And so it's really the very first time that we've got a therapy that targets a particular genetic subgroup of myeloma. And I think that's exciting, as is the mechanism of action. And then we heard that there are next generation molecules in the same vein that target drug proteins related to BCL2, yeah. like MCL1, which is really important. And so that's going to open it up to a lot more patients. So it, it, he made a very strong case, I think, that MCL1 is going to be a very important molecule in, in myeloma. Which were the drugs you found exciting and the signs you found exciting? Yeah, I'm also excited about the MCL1 inhibitor, and there are, it, it was funny because there weren't any before that could be used, and now I think there are three going into early phase clinical trials. And I think that it'll be interesting to combine that with a very intelligent sort of cell signaling pathway, how you would combine these drugs together with the drugs that we already have. And I think that'll be helpful for trying to get us away from toxic combinations, but more intelligent combinations. So I, I was taken by the uh, the data on two two new image drugs, yeah. um, you know, specifically engineering those those drugs for um, their mode mode of action and the fact that they're I don't know seem to be ten to fifteen times more potent yeah. than the most potent one we have now and. You know, I'm very hopeful that we'll have a, a next generation of these images in, yes. in the clinic. Yes, I was also taken by by the imaging. So do yeah, you, I really. So thought. what do you think about about that in your clinic? You know, I think imaging is such a complicated issue because we all do it a little bit differently. We all feel a little differently. And the imaging technology has gone faster than the clinical trials. Mm -hmm. I think everybody can agree that having a positive finding on imaging at the end of treatment is worse than not having a positive mm -hmm. finding. But how we use that serially to look at disease and the discordance between the different kinds of imaging is difficult. And I'm hoping we'll be able to make a matrix to figure that out better. Yeah. So uh, an interesting uh, young man from uh, Würzburg presented data on five, I think, maybe yeah. only four different traces for, yeah. for PET. So what did you think of that? Oh, I, I learned a lot today, things I had, hadn't, hadn't heard of about the, the way these different modalities can identify different disease and possible significance it has, and then the new tracers that can be used. Uh, you know, I want to do it all the time on all my patients, I, and we'll just have to figure out the best way to go forward. Yeah, it was kind of um, not quite ready for clinical use, but um, to understand the biology of the disease, I, I, I thought we heard a, you know, what was it, F-methionine yeah. PET kind of shows up more lesions than you see on FDG PET. Right. Um, some are negative and some are positives. Right. It makes you really kind of question what the biology of those lesions are. Right, why are they different and not showing up? Yeah. Think about it, 20 years ago we weren't using PET, you know, and now yeah. we use it all the time in lymphoma, for example. So there's room for us to grow and yeah. quickly. So I, I think it'll come in as a sort of an, another biomarker of um, yeah. treatment response and possibly even an, an end, end point. Endpoint, yeah. yeah. So I think it's really interesting. Um, one other thing I thought was really fascinating was the uh, talk that we had about drug screening with in silico screening. And, and I oh, think God, yeah. this, this is just a, something that's coming up. We've it's sort of a rebirth of a previous idea where we can do high throughput screens of drugs on patients' own primary cells. And I, I think that's very interesting because wouldn't we love to know what a patient might not respond to or 
might have changed to without exposing the patient. Um, so I hope in the future we can do something predictive like that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was fascinating and almost futuristic or hard to believe that you could get so much information yes. about how a patient would respond to different combinations from just a three or four day culture. Yeah. Really. Right. So I, I, at, at one level, I would own up to not understanding it at, <laughs> at, at any level from the, from the start to the finish of the talk. Yeah. But um, taking images of a limited culture every 10 minutes or so yeah. for, for four days seems to, to give a real uh, huge amount of information yeah. and um, adapting them to look at the immune system as well as direct cytotoxicity seem to be Really? Yeah, but yeah. I c yeah. can't claim to understand <laughs> how they did it. No, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, but it's really interesting. I think that'll help us in the future because the toxicity profile is important. These patients mm. that we see so often have had so many drug exposures, and you mm. really want to limit them only to what you think will work. Mm. And if you could predict that, it would just be more ideal. So um, the, the, the last session of the day involved some discussion around <laughs> consensus. So. <laughs> Like okay, <laughs> Leif, where was their consensus? Oh, th there was a beautiful talk um, that, that listed the, uh, where we had consensus, and it's around the, the general principles. You know, we need to use induction. We think transplant's useful, maintenance. There's very, very broad principles. We are all agreed, and it, it seems the controversy is in the details of which drugs, how long, and, and how to sequence things. Nina, where did you see the consensus. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was funny because Peter, who was talking about the lack of consensus, said actually we are all unified in this idea that we need to treat, intensify, consolidate, maintain, and we have that in, in together. This is for upfront myeloma, uh, but the, the details of that are, are different. Mm -hmm. And I think as we decide, if we have a consensus on how to measure disease, what endpoints are important, we're actually going to be able to go backwards and get better answers in more novelly designed clinical trials. And that's what I like that Faith brought this up, that mm -hmm. we really have to change the way we think about clinical trials to make them more efficient yeah. for our, our, our craft. Yeah, kind of, uh, there are so many new agents putting them into yeah. clinical trials and bringing them to the clinic for patients is, is really what we're all about, yeah. I, I guess. So uh, thank you very much for your attention. Um, and uh, we had a great day here uh, in the meeting and I hope you enjoyed listening to our discussion. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To be the first to hear about further Hemonc updates, including upcoming content from ASH 2017, visit us at vjhemonc.com and subscribe to our e-alerts. Let us know what you think on Twitter at VJHemonk.